Welcome to another episode of Don't Tell Baba. My name is Nood, my co-host is Shireen, and today we are joined by a very, very special guest, Salma Hindi. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Salma Hindi. I uh, am a comedian, and I'm super excited to be on this podcast. I'm just so excited that we have a fucking comedian on. I love comedy. Um, yeah, I'm so excited to be here. Um, I uh, I guess we could talk about like how we met at the Allah Let's Talk conference. Um, yeah. And yeah, it was so exciting seeing both of you on there and talking about your identities as being Arab. And I was like, I 100% relate to this. Um, and yeah, I'm so excited to be here. Okay, when you got on stage, we were sitting in the front row in like the area where like the speakers were sitting. Yeah. And you like <laughs> while you were doing your set, which was phenomenal by the way. I was in stitches. Uh but you called us out and then like I called back to you and since then I've had people who were at the event being like so like you guys and Salma Hindi were friends like before, right? <laughs> <Stop> <laughs> Of course, in a, I, of course, literally in our heads, in another life, we were absolutely friends. Um, okay, do you remember exactly what party was? Because I feel like I said something and then nobody, obviously I was talking about how like we as Arab women, like we internalize how our moms and dads, like the only thing they ever wanted for us in our whole entire lives, our biggest aspiration is just to lock down a man. Mm, and then, yeah. and then and nobody was like nodding I think it like hit too close to home and you were the only one who was nodding and I was like thank you she understands (laughs) and then there was one part where I said like I was like do you guys want to know who my parents' ideal daughter is and then you were like who I was like like, I'm I'm gonna describe her like I'm not gonna like name like be like oh it's Bataya like you know what I mean like I was I was so excited because Shireen and I are constantly talking about, like, who is this perfect Arab woman? What is she? So I got, like, out of control excited. I'm like, Salma, you know her? Yeah, who is she? (laughs) Who is she? She exists. Like... No, yeah, oh we were God. we were so we were so excited when you called us out. Like, you grabbed me and and was just like dying, like having a meltdown <laughs> because I was fangirling so fucking hard, Salma. Okay, you have you're putting out IGTV videos right now, and I'm obsessed with them. You did one about CSIS and like how your CSIS oh agent God. has to marry you now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I was like, I was like, basically. There's okay, there's also this page on Instagram. Uh, it's like a comic page called Yes, I'm Hot in This. And she does like um comics about her and her husband. She wears like I the love hijab. Her. Yeah, she's so great. And so she also has like this one character that's like the FBI agent that's by yes. Mama. Yes. 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 Darian or Darius or something. Darius. Yeah. Darius. <laughs> and, and she always has him like as part of their like you know, it's just so normalized how he's like always spying on them. So I was just like, but before that, I was just like thinking about how I was like, if this man is seeing me through my webcam, then he has seen me without my hijab. Therefore, he has to marry me. Like, it's all over now. Absolutely. I have no choice. <laughs> Well, I mean, it really does serve multiple purposes. You get to preserve your, you know, 
hijabi status and you also get married so you get your parents off your back it's perfect exactly Exactly. that's what i'm saying you're killing two birds with one stone absolutely and he knows everything about me who doesn't know there's no more surprises and potential deal breakers you know what i'm saying he knows everything yeah, I'm, honestly, do I, I, feel, you. I feel so sorry for my FBI agent, though, because he's probably like, God, this bitch is so boring. Like, oh, my God. Right? He's like, do something exciting. And then you're like, about you, like, Google something really risky. And then it turns out it's just like research for your podcast. And he's like, what the hell? <laughs> he's like them and their fucking podcast. Nah, he's like low key a listener. It's fine. Yeah, low totally, key. totally. <laughs> And now we have Selma's uh, CSIS guy as a listener, too. That's awesome. Welcome our CSIS and FBI agents. Yeah, absolutely. Welcome. Absolutely. They are the the unappreciated audience. We are appreciating you today. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, Selma, when did you realize that you're hilarious? Oh, my gosh. First of all, that is such a compliment. Uh, <laughs> um, I would say, okay, I always feel kind of like bittersweet answering this question because I would say that I knew for sure that I'm like, uh, like for sure funny or like a, a, an interesting, unique kind of funny when I was in high school um, because I would make like people in my class laugh like to the point where they couldn't breathe. And like we also I also went to the high school, so we didn't have much freedom and we, uh, it was like segregated, like the girls and guys were in, uh, different rooms. Like we couldn't have gym or recess together and stuff. And then the guys obviously like took over the gym, uh, because like patriarchy. And so like, we had nothing to do. So I would just like put on sketches and like skits and stuff to my friends and make fun of like the teachers and whatever. And I would imitate everything and everyone. And I would memorize all of the little, like, uh, mannerisms and stuff that our teachers would do. And I would replicate it and people would be like dying. And, um, and then I think like eventually, like, cause I, I have four older siblings and like, nobody, nobody cares about you for the youngest, like nobody gives you attention. <laughs> and so I think like, um, I was so used to my siblings ignoring me and then it got to a point where you know when you're like turning into an adult but it's still like the lines are a bit blurry like you're still considered a kid mm. not really like fully an adult and I think like that's where that- I'm at right now <laughs> I was just gonna be like Selma isn't that where we're like all at until we get married hashtag true our true that's very true that's how I see myself also I'm like absolutely I am still <laughs> there's always an adult to your adult you know what I'm saying right? yes mm-hmm. yeah and uh but at that point like I think I got my older siblings' attention through like making jokes I would also do that in Sahur you know in Ramadan when people would wake up at Sahur and especially in the yeah. winter time everyone's like yep. don't fucking talk to me <laughs> they're in their they're in their hoodie they're like dead in the corner if you even I breathe they're like done I with just- you I just want to swallow my lebne and water and go back to fucking bed. Don't talk to me. Exactly. Don't wake me up because we're not going to be able to go back to sleep. So it was either that, like there's two moods. It's either that or the other mood, which is like somebody stayed up all night and they're super jolly and excited. And, uh, and then, so (laughs) I think it was like, (laughs) I was in that mood and then I was like, basically entertaining like my siblings and they were dying like they couldn't breathe and I was like okay I'm definitely like funny because these are hard people to crack you know what I'm saying <laughs> um but with that being said the reason why it's like bittersweet is because I don't think I'm as funny as I was in high school and I really miss her you know oh. so 
I don't know. I was like, I feel like back then, like there, it was truly just a source of expression versus now there's a little more like expectations to it, you know, mm. um, which sometimes like puts you in your head. It's not to say like, I will never break out of that, but like, it takes a lot more now knowing what you know to then like try and exceed those like um barriers that you place on yourself which is that oh there's expectations after me or uh, you know what i mean what the fuck is that about because like this experience is like every time i feel like there's money attached to something for example yeah. i feel like the expectation has suddenly risen so even if it was something that i was doing for fun if i'm now charging for it there's like three times as much pressure and yeah that's fucking bullshit because the reason you're charging for it is because it's good enough to fucking charge for you know what i mean exactly 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 yeah and then but then it's like now it's like well, if I mess up in, like, for example, with comedy, when I perform and stuff, if I mess up in an open mic that I'm not getting paid for, like, who cares? I don't care. Yeah. I, I, yeah. There's literally nothing to lose. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't entertain you who literally did not come to see me. Right. Yeah. But if I'm like, if I'm being like recorded for a TV taping, it's like, oh, man, oh, man. Like, you're just, you're constantly aware. Like, oh, man, oh, man. Like, they brought me here. They have expectations. Oh, man, how's this going to turn out? You know what I mean? So, it's it's hard. <laughs> There's also, like, a special kind of pressure that comes with being an Arab woman, woman, right? Because it's like, I feel like I have to work twice as hard to get the recognition of, like, a white person. Yeah, absolutely. So that I'm like doubly stressed because I'm like, I'm not even white. I can't mess up. It's not charming when I mess up. Oh my God. So real. Also, you, your own self, don't have the delusional confidence to Exactly. (laughs) I don't have privilege. I don't have title to this. Like, guys can mess up up so dramatically and then afterwards just be like, yeah, killed it. I'm like, what? Who is lying to you? myself that way oh my god i have often said that i would love the confidence of an adolescent white boy Mm -hmm. like i told my therapist that once i was like god i wish i had the confidence of a mediocre white man and she said why (laughs) and she was like why can't you and i was like i don't know I'm an like, Arab let woman. Let me tell like, you the story. Literally. Also, like, structural reasons. Like, familiar, like, childhood trauma for sure. But, like, you know, it's not like society. <laughs> it's not like society's, like, allowing that either. So Literally. I'm like, God damn it, society doesn't even allow me to be as I am now. Now I'm supposed to bring on the, like, inflated ego of a mediocre white man? No. Exactly. Oh, man. Can I just say, like, speak for yourselves on your egos. I definitely have the deluded ego of a white man. I'm, like, I've been blessed. It's fine. Okay, your special amazing. case. Yeah, tell us about it. I want to know more about it. Oh, you just have to have absolutely no grasp on reality. Okay. And then everything else falls into place. <laughs> and then, and then though, you have like an asshole friend, which is me, being like, hey, I just want to remind you about reality, ruining your day <laughs> all the time. Oh, man. It must be oh, great. It must be great to be in like a state of alternate. You know, sometimes I catch myself being like a, a delu- like a very unreasonable white man. Uh, yes. but, then, but then introspection catch, catches up to me i can't go two minutes i mean f- 
fair enough. The introspection catches up. But in the moment, you exude that white manness that we're all looking for. Wow. That's incredible. To me, I categorize them as uh, episodes of... uh, of like temper tantrums or like explosions. <laughs> yeah. But so it's, like, I guess... it's not the positive stuff, right? You're like, okay, now calm down. Only a white man would behave like this in this and moment. And get away with it. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> right? Sometimes yeah. you're so angry you want to hit something, but like you won't because you don't want to cross that line into like mediocre white man. Yeah, exactly. Like this is his territory. You're better than this. But that's what this It's like, why do I have to be better than this? Like, why is the uh, bar so low, right? Like, the bar is yeah. so low, too. Like, no. Okay, oh. so speaking of, like, you know, adulting and being better at things, you are both significantly more impressive adults than I. Please explain to the audience, Salma, what you do during the day. Oh, my gosh. Um, Honestly... Okay, are we talking quarantine or pre-quarantine? Because there's two different lifetimes that we are yeah, referencing right now. Both, okay. Because uh, I'm like, there's a life before, you know, BC and AC, like before Corona, after Corona. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, what we're in right now. We're like, what, one month? One month AC? I can't remember. Or like, no, we're in it. We're we're still in the Corona era. <laughs> oh, God, but, I love uh, it. Uh, yeah, before, okay, so before Corona, my days were super hectic, like, I would, um, I would basically, like, wake up, and then there's one point where I had, like, a personal trainer, and then, uh, this was before my, like, back injury really got bad, but then I would, Ooh. yeah, I, like, that's, like, that's, like, a whole other thing, but then I would do that, and then I would go to work, um, so I work as a biomed engineer at a hospital, and that's the only way my parents have not disowned me, by the way, and then, <laughs> I have to say that's literally a shield, a protective shield for my familial ties. Okay. And uh, and then after that, uh, I would like, usually comedy shows happen pretty late. So oftentimes I would either stay at work late and work on other stuff, or I would go meet a friend for dinner or something like nearby. And then I would go to a comedy show and then go home. And this was happening a lot also right before uh, the quarantine because I had a few tapings coming up. So I was like, I need to go out to shows like every day. Um, and then, yeah. And then, and then on the weekends, like there's so many different projects or, or things that I'm working on. Uh, so much socializing to be done, which all of that has like come to a halt right now. Um, and then, yeah, in the quarantine, I would say uh, aside from like, I still work. So I, I work from home still. Um, so I do that from like nine to five, but now it's like much more chill. I cook all my meals. Um, wow. Have, yeah. I've been saving like $600 a month from Holy shit. eating out. I know. Isn't that wild? That's isn't fucking that, wild. It's like literally rent or like half of rent in Toronto. Like it's insane. Oh and uh, so I, I like, I basically, if I ever go out, it's like once a week to get groceries and stuff. Uh, also, I don't, I don't fucking care. I don't care. I'm going to say this. I have been eating haram gummy bears. Okay? <laughs> You're forgiven. You're forgiven. I was like, I'm, and they're Easter. They're Easter haram gummy bears. So I was like, this is not against my religion, but I don't give a shit. I was like, I'm eating it. And so that's my, that's been getting me through the quarantine. And literally I was like, okay, but is it essential though? Is it an essential? I, th- I feel like I need to get it, do a trip just to go get it. And then, uh, 
<laughs> so I feel like, yeah, in quarantine, it's like, um, I take more showers to pass the time during the day. Uh, but I will not get into anything other than a pajama. There's just, there's a daytime pajama and there's a nighttime pajama. That's <laughs> mm-hmm, important to mm-hmm. differentiate. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> and then I just, yeah, cooking whatever clean and then do, um, my actual like day job. And then in the evening, I usually, um, uh, either like make a video or sort of like come up with other, uh, topics that I want to talk about. Um, hang out with my roommate sometimes, and I'm I'm starting to catch up on Netflix. Um, there's nice. there's yeah, there's so much going on on there. Have you watched Tiger King? Okay, oh I'm gonna God. start that today. I'm gonna start yes! that today. <laughs> okay, Selma, 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 please start cut. I'm dying. Start Tiger King today, and okay. then please listen to my mini episode, and then like. Hit me up so we can like talk theories. Okay, absolutely. I'm ready. I'm ready. My friends the other day just started discussing it and I was like, I'm not fucking opening that group chat. It literally is filled with spoilers. But I already, but I'm like, I, I feel like I'm just also going to share the conspiracy theories as soon as I'm done watching. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. It's amazing. It's amazing. I have so many questions. I have so many questions. First of all, for educational purposes, can you please tell our audience why gummy bears might be haram? That is a great question. Um, so growing up, we were, uh, gummy bears has uh, gelatin in it. And growing up, we were always told like gelatin is derivation like it comes from pork potentially and muslims don't consume pork or we're not supposed to and so uh that's why growing up it's always been like check the check the ingredients and you're like who asked you can i please tell you guys can we tell you guys um (laughs) my story of one time i went to this place in toronto um there's like okay yeah there's like three stories so there's one time i went to this uh, dessert place with my friends and we're like super hyped like we all order like you know what everyone just nails their order and they're so excited for it like there's no there's no like delay in us trying to like figure out what we want to get or whatever so we I all love order those desserts. days yeah right it's like it's like it happens like once in a blue moon and so i ordered a napoleon do you know what a napoleon is it's like no it's like custard uh filled in between like pastry layer it's just it's like heaven okay and then my friend orders like a European baked cheesecake. What even is that? I don't know. Sounds exotic. Okay. And we like order a bunch of other stuff. And then like this, some, the the lady comes up and tells us that apparently in the kitchen, there's like a woke white man who wants to let all of us know that everything we ordered has gelatin in it. (laughs) God bless this man. I was like, excuse me, sir. Who asked you? I was just gonna say who asked him literally why would you do this so then all of us like one of the people at the table actually like fears God and stuff so she was like all right let's uh (laughs) let's revisit the order I was like all right I was so annoyed and so then we all revisit the order and we and then she goes like oh actually everything on the menu has gelatin except for like this one like walnut (laughs) what a fucking scam I was I was like this restaurant is Islamophobic. First of all, second <laughs> of all, I uh, we ordered the friggin' walnut, and I was so bitter about it. it was so dry, I hated it. And uh, and the whole time I'm just like, what, sir? Why are you doing this? Don't you want us to support your business? <laughs> and then and then 
another time I went to this restaurant in Toronto and I, uh, I was like, all right, I'm feeling so freaking rebellious. And I decided to order the s'mores, um, flavor of the ice cream mm. and s'mores, right? Has marshmallows, which also has gelatin. And then, uh, the lady came to me and she's like, oh, sweetie, I just want to let you know that, the that this flavor, it's, it has marshmallows and it's not halal. I literally, I literally just looked at her. Like, I didn't even say anything. I was like, oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> and then she was like, I'm just letting you know, cause there's a lot of Muslims that come here and just, I was like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then later I went to um this other cafe like a couple of weeks after that for my friend's birthday and I also ordered hot chocolate with marshmallows and the lady came out and was like oh I just want to let you know like it's not halal and I was like oh my god god why are you doing this <laughs> like literally god is like do you sign the terms and agreements of disobeying my rules and I was like yes please like literally he made me do it like three times and so <laughs> Oh my god. So now I'm at the point where um I will eat haram gummy bears. Like I literally went to I think Dominican and I bought haram gummy bears and my niece was I told my niece she's like seventeen. And she was and I told her I was like, yo, I'm eating the haram gummy bears. She asked me, she's like, Can I have some? And so I give her some and I was like, Yo, we're just letting you know though that they're like haram. She's like, What? She's like, No, it's the one thing we don't do. I was like, Listen Oh no What the fuck? I was like, listen, like cause I think she's alluding to the fact that a lot of Muslims will like drink alcohol and yeah. do everything but the one thing that they'll draw a line at is like they will not eat pork or any any pork related food oh my god yes fuck oh my okay so we are like three very different um i guess styles of muslim here on this podcast right this second yeah um I am called Muslim bil ism, which means I'm Muslim because my parents told me so and no other reason. Yeah. <laughs> like you were born into it, basically. I was born into it. I have a I have a growing up in the Middle East understanding of it because we had to do religion classes every single year. Mm. In fact, Shireen, do you remember having to pass the national exams for religion? Yeah, dude, I almost I like just skated right on by i was like a few points from failing because i was no, like what stop the fuck what, were, what were the questions <laughs> i don't know like i i just like i don't know i they think were... it was like asking for too many specific names and i was like i yeah. don't know these men so oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah there was a lot of like specific names and stuff but like i have an understanding i just don't follow anything in fact, I have never once thought about the ingredients on my gummy bears. I just eat my gummy bears. Amazing. Imagine that level of liberation and freedom. <laughs> a white man, you know what I'm saying? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but it's in the, in the right way, in the right way. Because I'm like, oh why am I fixating on this? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Um, so you mentioned very briefly uh, your your ties, your familial ties. Um to biomedical engineering like that seems like a very intense choice Salma oh my and god Shireen. yeah I was just gonna be like I made the exact same choice it's fine. oh Shireen also yes oh man yeah the way I'm talking about it is like yeah it was like an afterthought I was like and then I accidentally just, just stumbled into this 
Like, uh, yeah, and then I just got, like, an engineering degree. It, don't worry about it. It's... Yeah, literally, like, eight-year intensive program, like, it just happened. Like, do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I just fell into this. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so my story was, like, I was, like, okay, I actually wanted to study science. I was, like, oh, I want to do... Um, and obviously, because, like, in high school, you're way too terrified to, like, even try and figure out what your passion is or what you mm-hmm. want to do. And then, um, and then if my friends would ever say, like, oh, you need to be a comedian, you have to be a comedian, you're so funny, whatever, whatever, I'd be like, okay, yeah, you're my friend, you're literally obligated by law to say that. Like, it's not, <laughs> it's not objectively true, right? And then, um, so I was like, okay, I want to get into, I want to do science, and then, um, I actually wanted to do nursing, and then my dad, like, talked me out of it, he's like, no, 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 like, uh, it's not a real job, because you know in the Middle East, like, I don't what? think... Yeah, I was like, are you joking? Nurses literally, like, run the healthcare system here. But he did it. He was just, like, not having it. So then he was like, you know what? Just do – because I wanted to initially, like, afterwards study medicine. And then he was – like, I feel like every Arab – every, like, Muslim at some point was like, I'm going to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. And then uh, <laughs> and then basically my dad was like, okay, tell you what. You could do engineering. And then uh, after you're done engineering, apply to med school. And if you get in, you'll be a doctor. And if you don't get in, worst case scenario, you're a failure and you're an engineer. (laughs) Senma, that was literally my plan. I was like, if I don't get into med school, at least I'll have an engineering degree. Literally, absolutely. I was like, what kind of parents tell? And us, what kind of people tell themselves, it's okay, you're a failure, that you are just a biomedical engineer. I feel so fucking blessed with the freedom I have had to fuck up my own career. Wow. <laughs> like, on my own. Truly a privilege, right? Truly, truly a privilege to be sitting here regretting my own choices. Oh, my God. Well, see, no, but it's very brave to do that because as, a, like, the reason why... Uh, and I talked about this in my last video about codependence and stuff. The reason why we're so scared to like make our own choices is because if it fails, who are we going to blame? Like ourselves. It's too scary. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? So you're actually yes, really I great. <clears throat> Jeez. It's, uh, so, you know, it's although like, because like I now as an adult, I'm like, mm, I definitely shouldn't have done biomedical engineering. But, um, I I only I realized like only recently like we don't have a lot of power of choice yes. unless you are yeah. nude but there wasn't a lot of power yeah I agree oh. I, I think like uh and also I think um yeah like my like my dad like I like he was like I don't know I I thought that I had to have his full approval to be able to also also I think like the fact that you're really young and vulnerable and you are financially dependent on your parents at that mm-hmm. age, right? We're not like okay. taught to work at like age 14, the second it becomes legal, like to get, you know, start working and save your own money and stuff like that. Uh, my parents were like, nope, uh, no jobs, none of that stuff. Like you just keep doing um, like just cause studying. And then I never cool. thought that, yeah. And so I never thought, which is like good in some ways. Cause it's like all my focus was on school. Um, but then it's bad in other ways where, like, my my independence started, like, probably 10 years after it would have for 
like your average whatever mainstream white person, right? So and, can I tell you, yeah. I actually had this fight with my parents when I turned 14 because I really, 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 really wanted to work. And my parents were like, like, what the fuck is wrong with you, child, that yeah. you want to work when we take care of everything? And I actually did end up winning that fight. And I worked every summer and winter break. So I wasn't allowed to work during school. Like, that was not permissible. Yeah. But I did work, um, like, every summer and winter of my life, starting at 15, pretty much. That's Dude, great. I, I did not. What, were we allowed to work in Abu Dhabi? What the hell? This is the first time I'm hearing about <laughs> Yeah, so I was, you know me, I can be a little pushy. So I love like, that. Do tell me though, like, is it legit or was it Wasta? So no, one of them was legit. I worked at Stradivarius for one of the winter vacations. But then I worked at Schweifat writing math exams for the grade sevens when I was in grade 10. And that oh. paid for my first laptop. I wrote English and, exams. And then I worked at the Canadian embassy. And then I worked at my dad's friend's engineering company. Like I've had a billion and one odd jobs. Like I've been in and out of offices and workplaces, again, since I was 15. And yeah, Salma, like you say, it does give you this uh, preparedness and independence. Mm -hmm. But yeah. it also makes you really fucking tired. And while you say that your codependence has caused you to question your own decision making skills, yeah. my independence has led me to question my own decision-making skills because like you said I have no one to blame but myself for every call I've ever made for yeah. the most part you there's know, gotta be like a middle ground like I don't know why Arabs are on two extremes right either we cut ourselves off completely or we're like let me just talk with Baba right yeah yes. because yeah sorry sorry go ahead I'm just saying that's exactly right, because I did end up cutting myself off completely where I wasn't taking any advice at all. And it's like they could make all of the suggestions that they wanted. But when I went to university to study English literature, I was going to university to study English literature. Absolutely. I was going to say that. I was going to say, like, oftentimes uh, you're either. OK, so I, I read this article one time about having narcissistic parents, which I'm sorry, I'm going to take it upon myself to diagnose every Arab family as having at least one narcissistic parent. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I remember one time I was having this conversation with my ex. I was like, so like the fact that we have narcissistic parents, blah, blah, blah. And I was talking to him. And after like making this whole argument for like a whole hour, he was like, wait a minute, Sanma, we don't even know if our parents are narcissistic. And I literally looked at him like, grow up. What world are you living in? Are you kidding me? And so anyway, it's like it's like talking to somebody about the earth like for six hours and then they're like, oh, but I don't even know if it's round. And you're just like, oh, my God. Like, do you know? Anyways, uh, so I was reading this article about narcissistic parents and it was saying that um, us like by virtue of being the child of a narcissistic parent, you are co-narcissist. Um, it's, it's just like like what you are and you can identify in different in mostly three different ways or a variation of the three um either you are compliant so you listen to them um you follow what they say otherwise you feel like a lot of guilt the codependence all that stuff or you are rebellious and uh if you're rebellious then you actually can act in ways that like harm your own self but you're, you yes. don't even see that you don't even see that because you're so fixated on doing the complete opposite of what they want this is why i am suspended in infancy 
We're literally not over it. Oh no. Like, yeah, the example it gave was how if a if a dad really wants his son, for example, to get into like med school or, you know, some like Harvard or something, and yeah. he's like on his back and he only exercises love, like his the dad's love is conditional upon his child performing well academically then the kid can become so resentful and so rebellious that he will on purpose fail his tests and get like a 50% or like a 48% when he is capable of getting a 98 but he does Girl, it on purpose 13% on chemistry the day i was told that i had to stay in the s class i said you want me to stay in the fucking s class watch this fucking chemistry test oh, oh my no. god yeah, and then you don't even realize that you're harming your own potential because all you're fixated about is like, watch what I'm going to do. Like, I'm absolutely not doing what you told me to do, but watch what I am going to do because it's going to blow your fucking mind. Exactly. So I, I feel like in a weird way, it's like <laughs> we're still co-narcissists because we're still affected by that. Like the true, the true, I guess, healing is when you are not, compliant or rebellious you're just acting for your own self like do you know mm -hmm. what i mean mm -hmm. this whole episode is a giant fucking call out i swear <laughs> to god <laughs> stop it Fuck. okay so um i'm really glad that we all here recognize the trauma of growing up arab regardless of what that looks like because shireen is like just constantly screaming from the rooftops like there is inherent trauma in this and then some people are like is there though oh my God. <laughs> like i honestly like if if they don't recognize it yet that's fine but i really believe that growing up in arab culture is traumatic and kind of detrimental to us like sanma you were saying there's like this arab inflation where like our lives start at freaking 25 or something and i was Absolutely. like coming to that realization though is traumatic for me i was like what happened to all the other years those like white person years what happened to them yeah Oh, man. You know what? Like, because people don't like their definition of traumatic is hasn't been introduced to them yet. So mm. they think when you say traumatic, they're like, oh, relax. Were we in a war? Were we like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, did we escape? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty but, much like, yeah. Like, that's what my mom says to really belittle and dismiss like our hurt feelings and our emotions and that's stuff. That's true. Um, and like the, the concept of spiritual bypassing is also something that. I've come to learn so much about in therapy and stuff where it's like, I thought spiritual bypassing was a way for you to be like, um, my, like my mom and stuff. Sometimes she might use it and be like, you know, I am the mother. I must be honored the highest degree. Like heaven is under the mother's foot. All that, all this stuff mm -hmm. without ever do, like holding her, herself accountable because she's like, nah, like I'm good. Like I have the status of a mother. I could literally get away with the murder. And I <laughs> like, I'm still your gateway to heaven, bitches. Like that's, my mom sees it right yeah. so that's that's what i that's thought still, like i'm still your gateway to heaven bitches that's the line <laughs> of the fucking episode yep like that's that's what that's what i like that's what i thought spiritual bypass was but then i realized like an, a more common form of spiritual bypass is when everyone dismisses their own emotions 
and they hide behind like this guise of like, oh, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, bkhir, I can't complain. Oh, there's nothing happening. There's not. It's not. Mm. It's not like my house is on fire. It's not like I whatever. I, I'm in war. Like so, they say that kind of stuff, and I'm like, okay, you're denying your own emotions, which is what I realize is the crux of what is the issue between us and our parents is that they mm-hmm. have spent so many years denying their own emotions that mm-hmm. the second we express it, they're like, stop it. What are you doing? But Allah, how dare you feel when I have been a martyr and not allowed myself to feel for eons? Exactly. They're like, this is so uncomfortable. Get it together. To guys, they'll be like, Khalik Ragin. It's Targin like Shwaya, right? And to girls, they'll just be like, you're so dramatic. I remember one time I told my parents that I was depressed. This was like a few years ago. I was like, I am severely depressed. First, because they were so happy that I was, because I was always home. And they're like, this is heaven. They they love that I was always home. I was like, do you understand that you are oh rejoicing <laughs> at the fact that I am severely depressed? And then my dad comes to me. He's like, Salma, my own fashion and Muslim, you couldn't depressed. But the salli aktaru salli I know. And then my mom was like, anyway, you're depressed because you're not helping me in the kitchen. So Rabbina, like, be Oh my God. I can't. Oh my God. So, oh my God. So you work for Pam H, right? Yes. Yeah. So that's the Canadian, uh, whatever, mental health. Yeah, the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Yeah. Okay. So that place is amazing. I have been there on several occasions because as it turns out, I am bipolar. And uh, I heard every variation of things from you're depressed because you're not listening to me to you are possessed by the devil. Lord. Yeah, I remember your devil possession story. Yeah, I was manic, so not possessed. Big <laughs> well, difference there. Huge good. difference. You know, it's for me. It was always like, um, <laughs> I guess every time I like tried to express myself, I always got the line like, "You're being silly." So yeah, yeah. yeah so it wasn't like so much like. It, it was just it was it was so dismissive, right? Like I'm genuinely feeling like this. I'm devastated, and they're like, "Well, don't mm-hmm. be don't be silly, Shireen, right?" Yeah. Oh man, I'm like I know that. Uh, well, I guess it's like I was talking to this uh, about this with my therapist recently. I was saying how like um, oftentimes it's not safe for me to express my feelings even to my parents because. If my if I tell my mom, for example, if I try and place a boundary and I'm like, mom, I don't like when you talk about X topic because it really like I have some that from it or it just triggers me. Um, my mom will, first of all, dismiss it on the spot. Like she'll be like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Like you're being dramatic. But then she like brings it up later at any opportune moment. Like she'll just oh be like, God. she'll bring, she'll evoke it. And I'm like, oh, my God, you're literally using my weakness as like a weapon and it's like so awful but it comes from the fact that it's like well it's not my problem that you're so emotional about this like that's like a you disrespect yeah (laughs) it's so crazy but then i realized that also like some things like when when our parents like if they're if they deny their own emotions so much um they'll go away (laughs) yeah because they or like you know they're just like like for example I believe that like probably a lot of our parents are in like extremely unhappy marriages and they probably, if we're in our generation would not have stayed together. Like I, like, you know, people always say that divorce rates are so high right now. And why are mm-hmm. more and more people getting divorced as if it's a bad thing? I'm like, literally 
literally it's a good it's a healthy thing because yes. it means that people are not staying in abusive relationships like I repeat yes. you know yes. what I mean Yes. Yeah, you know, um, I, I remember I was talking to one of my friends about this the other day, and I'm like, well, you also realize this because women are not financially beholden to men anymore. Exactly. And that's, that's bomb. So Absolutely. we talked about that on the podcast. Like, there are so many reasons why divorce is rising, and very, very, very few of them are superficial. Very, very few of them are superficial. Yeah. Um, some, of course, I mean, people are people, and some people are shit, and that's yeah. fine. Um. <laughs> that's a great disclaimer but, okay, no, that's, that's definitely important yeah it's, people are people and people are shit and that's fine exactly. is honestly all i'm gonna say as a disclaimer about anything anymore because mike told me i give too many fucking disclaimers apparently so sorry about that <laughs> no it's a, it's a great one <laughs> um okay so we have so many questions and here's a big one you talked about how like several restaurants told you about the gelatin in their products, which yeah. like that's super woke and like frustrating, of course, for you. Yeah. Uh, but like the reason you're getting told this shit and Shireen and I are not getting told this is because you are a hijabi and yeah. we are not. Yeah. So like. It's fucking fascinating that you have a fully different restaurant experience. But what was it like the first time you got on a stage in Toronto? Like, how were you received? Oh, man. Okay, can I tell you that I was, like, to the point of I was almost debil debilitated. I was so afraid that I would get a heckler on stage that the day before or the night before my performance, I started watching, like, comedians handle heckler videos. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh. There's not many. There's not many. Let me tell you that. I was like, <laughs> after watching it, I was like, I need to fill in the gap in this market for comedians oh who are god. who are trying to study heckling. Um, and so I was so terrified. I, I was like, I really will not be able to handle it. Please, Lord. Please, Lord, like you know. And then um and then the next day I go and my friend and I um end up going to like so she comes with me whatever I do the show right before doing the show like the comedian before me was so funny but he was so random like he was like a one-liner comedian and he was killing it everybody was dying laughing and I oh by the way this place I thought was only gonna have like six people because it did the first time I went but there were 60 people that night I know I was so nervous and uh and the guy before me is like killing it on stage and I'm, like, standing next to the bar. Keep in mind, guys, I am so sheltered. Like, I have never been to a bar before. I've never been this close mm -hmm. to alcohol. Like, I am – I realized, like, there was so much discomfort when I first started comedy. I realized one of them was the fact that I was surrounded by so many uh, – a room filled with people who were not Muslim. I was not used to that. Mm -hmm. Like, I was usually only in Muslim gatherings and – and but so when I'm in gatherings where I'm the only Muslim, my guard is like way up. Uh, and so I so I'm like standing next to the bar or whatever, watching this guy kill it. And I just kept telling myself, it's fine. It's fine. Send my like you are different. You have a storytelling um, vibe to you. You're going to offer something new. Like, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Don't like focus on this. But, and then he gets off station and I go up and then I do my set. And I basically just kind of thought to myself, like, OK, it's a room full of like white people who don't know you. What are you going to say? How are you going to introduce them to yourself, to your family, to your life? 
And so I talked about like, obviously my dad and my upbringing and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was amazing. They started laughing and I was like, what are you doing? Like, I did not practice <laughs> this with laughter. I was not actually expecting <laughs> laughter to interrupt my story. <laughs> and it was so awesome. And then after, nobody heckled. And after oh that, um, so many people came up to me and they're like, you have to keep doing this. Like, this was so eye opening. It was so great. Um, and they gave me some tips. They're like, the number one suggestion was like, please let your audience laugh. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Fuck yes. Kate, can I just say, I love Toronto so, so, so much. It's one of my favorite cities in the goddamn world. And I'm not at all surprised that that was your first experience on stage. Like, that sounds like the Toronto I know and love. Right? I don't think... Yeah. I have to tell you guys about this other time. Like, I don't think I've been heckled at all on stage in a bad way. Like, if anything, people were... Like, because technically in comedy, anybody who yells something at you when it's not provoked is, 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 like, categorized as heckling. So... (laughs) Like, who? <laughs> so yeah, that like, was gonna any- be like you had a heckler. <laughs> oh yeah, so basically, exactly. <laughs> so any any heckling I've had has only been like good heckling, like exactly when someone yells out, "Who? Tell us her name." How or- is she? <laughs> exactly. Those right. So they're only like good heckles. Um, oh my god! <laughs> but I remember one time. <laughs> I remember one time I uh I. I went to Comedy Bar in Toronto and uh, we were promised like an audience of like 150 people and literally seven people showed up because it was like a great summer day. Nobody's trying to be indoors. You know what I'm saying? And uh, unlike now, unfortunately, (laughs) but so we are, so we're at the show and then um, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to turn this into an open mic. I'm sorry. I'm holding all of you hostage. And uh, so I start asking them, I'm like, have you ever had a question that you've always wanted to ask a Muslim woman who wears hijab, but you never oh, got well. a chance to? I was like, just oh, yeah. anything, just say any- anything you want right now. And then and then people start asking me, like, do you do this, do whatever? When do you show your hair? Whatever? And then some guy was like, are you, do you speak Arabian? <laughs> and then I was like, uh, do you mean Arabic, sir? He's like, yes. I was like, yes, I do speak Arabian. Find me after the show and I'll speak all the Arabian to you. And then he was like, oh, I don't speak it. And then he's like, he's like, but I do know two words. I was like, oh, yeah, what do you know? He's like, yalla, yalla, and habibi. I was like, sir, that's a Masari song. Uh, you do not know Arabic, okay? <laughs> you literally are saying a Masari chorus. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> But oh. that show turned into literally a 15-minute Q&A session about Islam. I was like, that only is- in Toronto, you know? Honestly, yeah, it's But that's a- also so brave of you to open up that can of worms, Sanma, because, like, you never know. We never know with people. Yeah. That's and true. I, they were genuinely curious, and they, they started asking me, like, they're like, Oh, oh, someone asked me, they were like, do you, oh, okay, so I guess you don't have to, like, uh, um, uh, what did they say, like, wash your hair, like, that often? I was like, oh, well, I actually also care about hygiene, so I do. And then, I still like to smell good, what the hell? Oh, my God. (laughs) Right? And then, but then they asked me, they're like, how many hijabs do you own? How many do you own? And then I was like, oh, I feel so attacked right now. Some guy asked me that. And I was like, I literally own like 400 hijabs. And they were like, oh, oh my God. God. Or like 200. And they were so shocked. Then I showed them a picture. 
I was like, I have it on a hijab rack. And they were like, oh my God, a hijab rack? And then I showed them, I was like, it was originally a shoe rack from Walmart. And I show it to them. And I was like, and then I turned into a hijab rack. And I showed it to them and they were mind blown. They were like, oh my God, how did you take this? Yeah, they're like, how did you take this like mundane thing and like terrorize it? Like they're just literally (laughs) shocked. It's the engineering degree coming out. Right? Senma, what's the most ridiculous thing that you've been asked, like, by a non-Muslim person? That's a good oh, question. Oh, man. Um, oh, my God. There's, I guess, like, there's just so many. Um, like, all, all these, like, hijabi questions or whatever. Uh, like, hijab is for sure, for sure a big one. Um, oh, nothing comes to mind right now. Like, that, that show for sure was one of them. Um where they asked me like and then and it's just kind of like yeah do you wear it at home all the time do you sleep in it like they don't know any of those details you know what i'm saying uh which is funny to me yeah (laughs) you would think that it's just like have some critical thing like i'm just asking you guys to think critically for once yeah right it's like it's so crazy i know yeah oh my god but no you're right it's so funny like how many like, I always find even in like other Muslim creators Q&As on on Instagram, like, the, like, uh, yes, I'm hot in this, for example, Huda, yeah. Fahmi. I always find that the questions are like specifics oriented, like, what do you do when you are asleep? Like, what do you do when you are having sex? What do you yeah, do yeah, when yeah. you are getting naked? <laughs> you take off your shoes or your hijab first. Like, I feel like this is the shit people really want to know for some reason. Yeah, it's like the logistical stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah. So I wanted to circle back to your comedy because a lot of the... um what comes up most frequently is like marriage and dating. And so why don't you tell us a little a bit about that? And why do you think it's so impactful and important to put that in your comedy? Yeah. So <clears throat> I know that when I first started comedy, uh, my intention was to go out into the world and speak to people who may not ever have spoken to a Muslim Um and sort of like tell them my story and create like a one-way friendship basically where you know me my presence on stage in general on its own I feel shatters stereotypes just because I'm so loud and opinionated and against Mm -hmm. what they you know assume a Muslim woman to be and it's so interesting because like like racist and stuff like that like they will simultaneously paint a Muslim woman as being a victim but also the villain I was like, but how? If I'm oppressed and I'm a victim, how am I also the devil? Like, which I just would like to understand the logistics behind that. And so we also have logistical questions. Exactly. We have logistical questions back at you, sir. And so, uh, so I think like, I, I, that was my intention. I was like, I'm going to go out there, create like shatter stereotypes, build bridges, whatever, whatever. And then after doing a few like Muslim events and like Arab events and um, events of, of like just uh, children of immigrants and stuff. So many girls would come up to me afterwards and be like, Oh my God, this is my exact experience. I thought I was the only one. I thought 
Mm -hmm. was me who was going through it. I thought I was the abnormal one. I thought like, whatever, whatever, whatever. And then I was like, you know what? My intention has completely shifted. I don't care at all about mainstream people. I just care about these girls who are so underrepresented, who me talking about my own story in and of itself is so validating to them. And it is. Yeah, and it's so therapeutic to them because then they're like, oh my God, like, I'm not the only one. Like, the amount of girls who cried at the YOLO Let's Talk speech, I was like, what? I was like, I thought making people laugh was the best gift, but it's definitely making people cry. <laughs> <laughs> I struggled so much with this, though, because, like, for every person that came up to us after our YOLO Let's Talk, talk um, <laughs> they were like, oh, I relate so much. And my first instinct was always to be like, I'm sorry because I hate this. Yeah. But the only way forward is to name what they're going through Mm, and to let them know that this is not normal and it's unacceptable for all of these reasons and it's fine that you're feeling the way that you are, whatever, whatever, so that they can be aware that it's happening to them and that they went uh, through it and then they can change the narrative. Otherwise, they'll, they'll just remain in, like, ignorance, unfortunately, because... They just think it's the norm. So now that we're on dating, which is everyone's favorite topic, everyone's yes. favorite topic. <laughs> now that we're here, Salma, <laughs> what were your early experiences of romance? Lord, first of all, as Shadeen said, we literally started <laughs> in our 30s, even though I'm not 30 yet, but basically. <laughs> um, so... My earliest, like, experiences with romance or as we would, like, in between quotes, uh, was basically um, my parents bringing me suitors who I had never seen or spoken to ever before in my life. The first suitor I ever got, and it was, like, so weird. It was, like, the second I hit puberty, my mom was just kind of like, okay, now, like, now we need to start, like, bringing you suitors. And I always thought, like, it would just be just something that happened to you. Like, Mm -hmm. you would go about living your life, you would be, you know, um, whatever, like, uh, feminine. Propositioned. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then basically God would gift you with proposals. And so I'm I'm a gift. I'm (laughs) a gift. (laughs) And then I, the first proposal I got was when I was like 20. And uh, it was a literal just nightmare. And for some reason, like I was, which by the way, I thought was really late because both my sisters got married at like 18 and 19. Wow. Oh, damn. So I thought, I thought like uh, I was already behind. And so I got, but now I'm looking at it, I was like, I was a baby. I was a literal baby at 20. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I get a proposal at 20. And the guy's dad was just so bizarre. Also, I had zero interest or attraction to the guy. But I didn't know if it was a normal thing or if it was within my rights. Like, I was just kind of like, okay, I think... uh," And my mom would always tell me stuff like, yeah, you'll fall in love with the guy later. You'll fall in love later after marriage. Love comes (sighs) later, blah, blah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I heard that every day of my young life for some reason. Isn't that so disgusting? Why the fuck should love come later? Love should always come first. In every argument about every single thing, if love isn't coming first, your priorities are fucked. Nude, it's yeah. part of the great it's part of the great sacrifice that women have to make. Yeah. So Quote unquote. Selma, I actually did get engaged when I was 20. To really? my boyfriend. To my boyfriend of three years. 
Wow. At the time. Wow. And then how did how did that go and how did everything pan out with your family and stuff? Girl, that's going to be a whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm ready. I'm but you know, ready. Mike, my yeah. practically white husband slash our producer. Yeah. It all worked out. But yeah. like, I always thought because of that thing you were talking about before with the whole rebellious nature thing. Yeah. I always thought that I would never get married because fuck the system, fuck the institution and fuck the expectations. And then I met Mike at a club when I was 17. Wow. And now here we are. <laughs> That's amazing. So uh, like, like, so love and dating. It's so funny when we talk about love and dating, because I feel like I have a, a very specific experience of it that is yeah. not necessarily Arab relatable. So I like to hear these stories. So you get this proposal or this suitor when you're 20 years old, you're not into him, but mom promises that it'll be good eventually what yeah, happens later. then later so maybe I, later <laughs> later maybe probably what if you are lucky you know and then oh my basically God. i know it's so awful i say no they hold that against me for so many months and um until my dad like finally finds out that the that the father of that guy was like actually crazy and then he was like <laughs> never mind she was right then i get another suitor i think at this point i'm like uh 22 Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, and then I was like, I, um, for some reason, this, this person's like the polar opposite of the other guy. Like, he was like way whitewashed. He was like, like, all the guy was like super religious and whatever. This guy's like super whitewashed to the point where he was like, I was like, he's not even like remotely Arab. Like, he doesn't even know any words in Arabic. And I was like, mm -hmm. I was no. like, what is his credentials? Like, who are, what are you bringing <laughs> people based off of just the fact that they're Egyptian? That was the only thing they had in common. Yeah. And, um, this person was like great on paper, but I just could not get along with him. Like, and I get along with the wall. I literally can get along with a pylon. Like I was like, <laughs> hey, am I not getting along with this human being? And it was, and it was, it was such, and then I called like other friends and I was like, oh, how did you know? Like I had to take the risk. And they're like, you just have to take a risk. And I was like, and then my other friend told me like, what the fuck? No, she's like, obviously that person had feelings for her guy like if you don't have feelings they were like you have to you have to like imagine yourself like being okay with like kissing him or sleeping with him and I was like ah! I <laughs> that can't be your reaction oh my god no that was literally my reaction and I was like oh my lord and then I was like okay I'm not down like I don't want to do this and then I said no and then my mom was a freaking psychopath she literally came into my room and she was like she was like like I'm not gonna say anything I said you always do the opposite of what I tell you to do so I'm not gonna say anything I was like all right good job and then she <laughs> storms out 10 seconds later she storms back in and she's like what if you just get engaged to him I was like what I was like you were literally are doing the opposite of what you said you were going to do 10 seconds ago. <laughs> Selma, can I ask you a question? I'm literally itching. Like, my skin started yes. itching. I need to yes. know so bad. Okay. Yeah. Can you, Fikit Uli, can you tell your mom, Masalan, like, could you tell your mom, like, I can't imagine myself kissing this guy? Could you say that to your mother? Well, yeah. Not a valid I... reason, though, to them, Nude. Absolutely. She's not even It wrong. is to my mom. It no, always was to my mom. 
not to my mom and this is probably going to open up a very very like dark topic of like did our parents ever have like non-consensual intercourse you know what i mean because of course yeah, yeah, yeah. my mom would say like hey well that's fine eventually you'll get used to it or you'll get to know it but you know what the hadith that we were always taught growing up was is so so problematic my mom which would one always... right <laughs> no no it's because which one? it's because if you amplify like only certain parts of the scripture then that's manipulative right you're not if you're not amplifying Mm -hmm. all parts of it so i'll tell you what the hadith was the hadith was if a guy asks his wife to sleep with him and she says no then the angels will curse her till the morning my mom would always tell us that hadith she you know what will curse her till the fucking morning him he will curse her till the morning him and his penis behind her will curse her till the morning it has nothing to do with the angels yeah and you know what nobody what the hadith that people never told us was how there's literally a hadith that says that she should be the one to approach you to have sex you shouldn't ask her and there's another hadith that says that um if you come or climax before she does like you have to keep going until she comes nobody ever tells us about those ahadith (laughs) yes islam woke as fuck i'm snapping my fingers make your girl come (laughs) it's it's a hadith but what i'm saying is like if people are only gonna like um amplify the parts of the scripture the parts of the hadith and that serves them then that's what makes the, if it's patriarchy that's teaching you the religion then the, then the religion is patriarchal that's just how it's gonna be people are self-serving mm-hmm. oh yeah of Girl, course you are so smart this is fantastic <laughs> you know i like never i've never had any of these discussions with my parents because there are no suitors uh, i'm largely left alone so <laughs> it's that's a- true so Again, that's why we're like three different, yeah, like sect, not even sects, but like three different experiences of Islam. Because mm-hmm. Salma, you always knew you were going to have suitors. I never expected to have suitors. I was expected to like find a partner in university was the expectation, which is gotcha. what happened. Yeah, um, yeah but yeah, Shushu, yeah. what, like Shushu, what were you told? My primary focus in life, or what I was told that like my biggest focus in life was supposed to be, was like my own personal success professionally and financially so my parents are always very invested in me being intelligent and this actually my father specifically is more invested in me being intelligent than he is in me being likable to men mm-hmm. so that's actually like a really good thing for me though because yeah, then i never wasted I time I hear that and I'm so envious. Like, I'm like, I wish my my parents could give two shits about my intelligence and my academic success. If I don't have a man, it means nothing. So I will say, though, I will say that ultimately this is going to bite me in the ass because eventually, as with anything, they turn around and they're like, but where is the man? And I'm like, what man? Mm-hmm. So like the thing is, it has to be a middle ground, right? They invest either fully in our ability to attract men or in my case, fully in my intelligence. When in reality, it's healthy to just like have a middle ground where you care about like connecting with people socially and you care about being smart. Um, But, you know, like growing up in Abu Dhabi, they're like talk like they don't teach you how to talk to boys. And then when you get older, they're like, where's your husband? Why don't you know how to talk to boys? What the fuck is going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yep. it's a double-edged sword, right? It's a double-edged yeah, sword. The socialization because, thing. Yeah. 
I think it's like um, our parents don't know how to love us unless it's like conditional upon some sort of like tangible success in some way. And it's like, why so, can't you just love me for being a human being? Like, it's that whole concept of, I guess, why we go to therapy in general to believe, mm-hmm. to get validation that every human being has innate worth that's not tied to any sort of materialistic uh, achievement or title mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. 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 Which is mm-hmm. like foreign, <laughs> foreign to our parents. So, like, I have to give my parents credit where it's due because that's only fair. Uh, My parents were actually very fair in the way that they, I guess, raised me as a person. They were invested, I think, mostly from when I was young in my my happiness because, again, I was a miracle baby. They couldn't conceive for 17 years. And then they spent a lot of money conceiving. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So they had 17 years of being married, of traveling the world. So even though my mom got married when she was 17 to a suitor, they had like they were together for 17 years doing fun shit and immigrating and traveling. And like my mom has designer clothes from Germany from like the early 70s. So they became very worldly before they had me. Mm-hmm. So whatever was trendy in the early 90s in the baby books is how I was raised. Gotcha. Mm. But then, even though they raised me with like all of this fiction and this fun and this white stuff, when I became a teenager, they're like, why are you not doing what is expected of you as just like a good girl? And it's like, Mm. because everything that I have been fed up to this point has not supported that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like when when Nude and I end up meeting each other, like at the age of 16, mm -hmm. both of like we get along because neither of us fit that that good girl bill in different yeah. ways but we just don't exactly so it's like it's fascinating because no matter how they did it there was a trauma to it and i like there was always expectations so whether or not they made it clear my yeah. parents expected me to be financially and uh successful in my career my parents definitely expected me to get married um young or eventually most of my cousins got married um based on like the the suitor system men would come and say they were interested and there would be a discussion and some chaperoned dates and then a decision would be made um and I I was I was a teenager when my cousins were getting married because I'm eight years younger than them yeah and I did not like it Mm -hmm. like my my cousins are in like they have beautiful families they're happily married they love their partners it's all good and great but I didn't like the system of it. And I witnessed it happen like three different times. And I was like, I don't like this. Yeah. Something you know? about it just doesn't sit right. Like you're just right? like, especially even in the moment when you don't know like all the reasons why like emotions are stripped from this. Uh, this is just, all of it is about how things look and not about how things feel. And this is just so strange. But like in the moment, like even though you're not, that aware of all the reasons why it's weird you still i think like know deep down that this is strange and it's not sitting right with me right i mean it's not organic it's just not organic right and you can feel that no matter what your past experiences have been or what you've witnessed you can just feel in your soul that it's not organic yeah that you're like removed from it right yeah i mean honestly i never um this has never happened in my family like the having a suitor and whatever like i've frankly never witnessed it in my 27 years of living yeah Um, that would be worth doing a whole episode on then 
Well, no, Nur, then in in a way, like, A, that means I got to, like, make my own definitions, which is really beneficial to me. But B, I was also living in a society where my definitions didn't mean shit. So. (laughs) Man. Right? That's so so interesting. But I think, like, even though I went through the suitors and my sister, for example, like, she sees my life because there's an age difference between me and my sisters uh there's 12 and 14 years difference between me and them so i feel like i had yeah so i feel like the dad and mom that i know is very different than the one that they that they know right and uh i feel like i almost get away with murder in comparison to what they went through and you know when people talk about like white men privilege whatever privilege there is a hundred percent something called youngest child privilege privilege, and i have that absolutely i they're just they're just done I, my parents are tired i get away with murder like literally actually and uh so basically i i, I said no to these suitors and my sister was like talking to me she's like i'm a, i was actually shocked and envious that you were able to say no to someone like mm. i would have been like oh my god this is the only man in this entire world who will ever find me desirable i must say yes immediately and Jeez, uh, man that hurts yeah and I was like you know what uh I just was I know when to say no like I when I cringe and stuff like I know when to say no but um but if I like someone then for me I feel like I feel that same mentality like this is the only man on this whole entire earth I must it must happen like do you know what I mean and so what happened was I like after those two suitors I got another suitor and it was the same thing so I said no to like three suitors at that point I was 24 and then for a while I wasn't getting any suitors and then my mom told me that at this point I think people started to ask me out um and I think before if I would have gotten asked out I would have been like no this is haram it's not proper and so Mm -hmm. I found myself at a crossing where I was like you hate everyone your dad brings you Yet you find dating and being asked out as not proper. So what do you want? Like you don't want the organic and you don't like the traditional. So what do you want? So then I was like, what a tough question to face. Yeah. And that comes up in so many other areas too, right? Like this cognitive distortion that we have where it's like, I don't like what my parents are doing and what their generation has done. But then at the same time, I'm too afraid to do differently. Mm -hmm. Right. And so what happened was I get asked out. I uh, I go on a couple dates. I don't like those guys either. And at this point, I'm just starting to doubt. Like maybe it's me. Like I don't know what it feels like to actually like someone, have a, like click with someone or whatever. And then um, when I'm 26, I meet this guy, and I immediately like him. He immediately likes me. We start going out, and. I'm like, okay, this is it. Like, he's just as serious as I am. And it was, it just like, literally in the beginning, like flowed like magic. I was like, all right, this is it. Like, it has to happen. This is what everyone is referring to. This is what they were all talking about. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's finally happening to me. Um, But then what ends up happening after that is like, uh, this is what I talked about in, in my the Yellow Let's Talk um, speech was that, I guess because I was like going through dating or a serious relationship for the first time, there were so many things that I was like, like all my daddy issues basically came out (laughs) where everything that I was trying to um, get my dad and my parents to approve of, like in terms of comedy or like my personality as a human being and all of these things, I tried to seek that out in him. And then 
this guy was also like really codependent on his family. So just all of that basically exploded. Um, and then that's, yeah, that's kind of like what got me to go to therapy and got me to realize like, you know what, there's like so much more here that (laughs) needs to be figured out and done. So yeah, that's, that's kind of been, uh, my experience. And then after that, obviously I do, I, uh, like, it took me a few months to sort of get over that through like lots of therapy and stuff like that. And then that's what, yeah. (laughs) And then that's when I started using the dating apps, um, like last August. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Um, (laughs) um, so I just want to, I also want to circle back that feeling of like, oh, um, like, this is the only person in the world who ever find me desirable. That's what happens when we grow up in a culture of shame and we don't learn to, like, love ourselves. We just learn to be ashamed of ourselves. So, like, the the slightest inkling that someone's, like, she's not shameful, we're, like, hamdada. It's finally all coming together. Oh, my God. So true. There was – my sister was telling me there was, like, um <clears throat> this special – comedy special that she watched, I think it was Michelle Wolf, and she was talking about how, like – she and it's really dark like she was saying how she envies children that have grown up in basements like as captives or whatever because it's only (laughs) yeah she's like because it's only upwards from here like the rest (laughs) of their life happens they're like oh my god i get a desk and i'm an accountant for 70 years at a window like this is amazing right and so my sister's like that's literally us growing up in like an arab household like everything is traumatic that the second, yep. like, you meet a man who, like, treats you as a human being, you're like, oh, my God, this is incredible. He called, like, you know, he called me by my name. He, like, asked me how I am. This is <laughs> it. Like, the He's bar not is- my cousin? He literally. Like, the bar is so low because, yeah, I guess there's just so much shame and trauma that we're used to. Yeah. So, yeah, there is. So, Sadma, why don't you tell us, like... What is just like your absolute deal breaker for a guy? Like, oh what is that? Lord. Oh, do we have all day? There <laughs> There's a lot. Um, okay, specifically from my like previous relationship informed uh, deal breakers would be like, I realized that <clears throat> I think I was listening to this matchmaker on uh, Instagram and she's really, really great. Um, her handles like Yas Guru. She talks about a lot of like relationship issues and stuff that come up. Um, and so basically she was saying that every human being has their core values. Um, and it's different. Like people we would have like three to five core values. It differs from person to person. You don't have to have the same core values as your partner, but if your partner can help, yeah, <laughs> it would help for sure. But if your partner steps on your core values, then likely their relationship will never work. And so my core value is autonomy, literally. I'm sure it's informed by all of my trauma, but autonomy. Like, I really don't need you to do much. I just need you to let me be who I am and then I will flourish. Like, I will thrive. So I feel like any sort of control. That's such a simple ask. Right? Yeah. But, like, it's so hard to come by because their insecurity and their entitlement, at least, like, in the Arab community. um, I was going to say, are you exclusively dating Arab men? My history has been that, but everybody who sees me is, and you you probably will like this, is like, girl, you got to freaking grow up and date a white guy. (laughs) <laughs> they don't want bring a white boy home it's so much easier but i kind of but here's the thing though 
because I wear hijab and stuff, I'm like, I feel like oh, I would yeah. deter a lot of them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Because, like, there's a lot of, like, I'm like, spiritual and religion does mean a lot to me, but at the same time, I'm like, hella open-minded and hella, like, rebellious and, like, I ask so many questions and I hate following, like, the status quo of a lot of things. Like, do you know what I mean? But then it's at the See, same time. You're like us. You're one of our misfits. Yes. <laughs> I love finding our misfits. Right? Oh, it's such yeah. a nice feeling. It is. Oh my god, it's the best. Yeah. But But, okay. So dating as an Arab girl is hard. I obviously am not an expert here because I have dated two two Arab boys. Mm -hmm. Three Arab boys. Three. Three. Sure. Three Arab boys. Um (laughs) back in the day. But like here's the thing with autonomy. White boys don't give a shit what you're doing. Exactly. Exactly. That's why I'm like, they're the only humans on this planet. <laughs> it's also and like... It's not, even, it's not even from a place of wokeness. It's from a place of like, this literally doesn't impact me. You do you. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. Like, what gives you the entitlement to be like, I need to police your life? I think it's also... Because my dad kind of has this notion. Okay, so... The way that I explain my father is, um, you know that, uh, like, there's, like, uh, there was this meme one time that I saw that it was, like, uh, a staff photo day at Walmart, and, uh, and it was just, like, a bunch of white people, white employees at Walmart, and they all had props, and they were all, like, super silly and doing all these poses, and then at the bottom, it's just, like, a black woman with a straight face, and the (laughs) caption was, like, I just came to do my time and clock out. I was like, mm-hmm. this is my father with fatherhood. He's literally like, listen, I'm just trying to get y'all bitches to heaven. <laughs> like, please. Like, he takes that. You are a shepherd and each person is responsible for, like, his herd. He takes that hadith, like, hella seriously. <laughs> oh, like, my God. He's not enjoying his time whatsoever. <laughs> and uh, And so I feel like he genuinely, my dad truly believes, like, this is why I feel like codependence is so prevalent in Muslim communities is he he thinks that I'm an extension of himself. So my actions are a representation of his inability yes. or ability as a father. So if I if I do something Islamically or like uh, incorrect, he'll be like, I'm. he thinks he's going to be asked about that on a day of judgment. Like he thinks God's going to be like, how did you let your daughter do this? Or how did you let your mm-hmm. wife do this? And I'm like, no, really, I'm going to be asked. But he can't, he can't like differentiate between Mm. the two so i think that's why men kind of have this like possessiveness over women because they kind of feel like they're gonna be asked about it and that they are enmeshed with us and i'm like no (laughs) you're really not but it's like it's like an undertone (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna do it we're all gonna marry white men at the end how absolutely devastating for the social justice cause, but also <laughs> that was what I thought. <laughs> we can't win, you guys. There's no winning. Understand that. I was like, how am I going to champion Arabs if at the literal first opportunity, I was like, no, nah, I'm going to marry this white guy. <laughs> because you're championing, you're championing Arab women by telling them that they can do whatever the hell they want. Exactly. Amen. Exactly. That's the thing is like, if, if a white man is going to let you be you and do your own thing and love you for who you are in all the healthy ways, then that's not <laughs> By all means, 
Yeah. Oh my god. So okay, Salma. Speaking of your Baba, who is literally here to do his time and then send you all to heaven and then clock out. Um, what? This is my favorite. Don't tell Baba question in every interview. Okay. How did Baba react to your weird and wacky career choice of comedy? Oh my lord. Okay. <clears throat> Baba was not okay at all. First of all, this is how he found out. He found out Ooh. through another podcast, basically. Yeah. I uh so I kept it hidden from my family for so long because I was like, mm, I don't want them to find out. Like, I don't even know what this is, whatever. And that I do a podcast with two guys who came out to my first show, like friends of mine. And then I post the podcast on Facebook and uh, my friend... That's where you went wrong. Yeah, literally. I was also dumb at the time because my father, who is an imam and who also happens to be my Facebook friend, sees it at the same time as all my (laughs) other friends. And he literally, like, I was in the kitchen, okay? And then I hear him upstairs. He's like, Sadma! And I was like, oh, shit. I was like, he for sure saw it. And he starts, like, barging down the stairs. He's like, Salma, how could you? And I was like, oh, man, I'm ready. Okay, like, I've been preparing for this, like, for the past two months. Like, I'm ready. Whatever. He, like, barges out. He's like, Salma, how could you? I was like, I'm ready. He's like, how could you take a picture with two boys? Oh, and I was my like, God, Baba. I was like, you literally told me I couldn't study nursing and I had to go into engineering. Like, you literally took me out of an all-girls program and put me in an all-boys program and you're shocked that I have taken a photo with two boys? <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, and then and then he goes like after that when he actually found out what it was he literally um, was not having a good time. He was literally struggling. This is what he did. He legitimately submitted a fatwa request to like Islam QA Oh my god. I was like, what on earth? I was like, first of all, how did you even he took like a long WhatsApp message that I sent him and he submitted it into Islam QA and the response was like, Is this what Allah has ordained for you aside from uh obeying your husband and children? Oh my god! I know, I was like, Baba, these are the same people who say that you're not allowed to wear pants and you're not allowed to work with men, like you don't even believe them. And then um he started commenting on my friends uh like um uh, what do you call it like facebook and stuff they would post links about like my comedy he started commenting oh my god yeah oh my was, god he was like allah doesn't say don't follow shaitan rather he says don't follow the footsteps of shaitan and i was like oh i think this was, yeah I, I literally went up to my dad i was like baba that how on earth did you just i was like this is not okay how could you do this i was like especially if you're one dream for me if you're one goal for me is for me to lock down a man. What kind of a guy you're would not helping. Yeah, and be like, oh, you know, this family, they're so dysfunctional. Can't wait oh to join. God. Oh <laughs> my God. I know. And then I told my friend, uh, I was, I told my friend all this. And then he was like, that's, he was like, you should journal all this. I think people would be so interested to know about like the struggles that you're going through. And I was like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. And then after Baba did that, I was like, March 23rd, 2017, I'm thinking of deleting mom and dad off Facebook. Oh my fucking God. It was just so wild. (laughs) My first Facebook fight with my parents was when I was in grade seven. And it was because I got Facebook 
And my mom cried for like a fucking week. Oh my God. <laughs> the drama! What Literally the drama. drama. Oh my God, because I could connect with boys and send pictures to boys, which by the way, I was already doing. Can yeah. We yeah, did they forget about MSN? Grow up, literally. <laughs> Seriously? Oh my fucking God. Okay, the, Jesus, the Facebook comments though, did your friends like reach out to you and be like, um, what's happening? Yeah, well, the friend that he, so the person that he commented on her, post she reached out to me she's like send my like your dad i was like freaking block him right now i was like i made them all block him and then one of my friends came up to me and like she's a she's a bit of a um i don't want to be mean but a snake and uh, i was like i was literally just standing with some friends and she was like oh i saw that your dad had like commented on a post um that you that you like whatever that your friend put or something and he said like oh send me this and that and she's trying to like basically bring it up in front of like other people and like at the time like you know it happened it was just really uh, fresh so like I could not like talk about it even and so I just literally played dumb I was like oh I know no idea what you're talking about I was like can nice. you <laughs> yeah I was like can you show it to me I don't <laughs> I mean, I've never seen it <laughs> but like why would you do that why would you like out like such an embarrassing thing you know girl you just said it some some people some people are shit and that's okay. <laughs> exactly. I freaking love this disclaimer. I'm using it always. Tell Mike I said that. <laughs> oh my God. I, this has been a goddamn roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. This is any date no. with me, by the way. If you ever go out with me, this is just what it'll, it'll just be like trauma, like unloading. <laughs> okay. Post COVID trauma unload. Um, unload. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Oh. Could you please leave our audience with one story that Baba should never have known? I know you've told us a couple, but like. Oh, I feel like so many of them. Okay. Um, the one thing that I feel like it, I would not want Baba to know is the fact that I am on dating apps, but more specifically would be. <laughs> <laughs> would be how many times I took back my ex I, oh my god oh no I feel like like okay basically my ex and I I think broke up and got back together around six to seven times in the span of nine months okay oh god also my baba does not know this but I went to Egypt to visit my ex's family and I met oh, mom yeah and i met his mom and his sisters all of whom were not did not approve of me because of comedy baba oh my god baba does not know this baba would literally lose his mind if he knew this because he would be like how how could you do something like how could you go propose to the guy <laughs> damn okay wait wait were his like what was his family openly disapproving of you yes his mom was openly disapproving oh my god guys this is such a freaking wild story i think it's still still too fresh even though it happened like a year ago i think it's still too fresh for me for me to like talk about but That's like totally on stage fine. i mean but like i it was just so wild like 
Um, I met her with my cousin and then her and my cousin like literally got into it at one point. And uh, yeah, it was like literally a drama. And I was in Egypt for less than 24 hours. And like, it was just, oh my God, it was so hectic and crazy. Um, <laughs> Where yeah, did your family think you were? My family thought I was just going to Egypt to visit my, like, and I was going to see my cousin. They had no oh. idea that I was going to see his family. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. And then, um, oh my God, it's so, like, this story is probably like half an hour long. It's like wild. But um, at the end, his mom, after meeting me, was like, oh yeah, Senma is so much better than her Instagram. Um because I guess like on Instagram, I'm like a slut. I don't know. And, uh, and yeah. And she was like, but I think, I feel like she's. Whoa. Yuck. Fucking yuck. Can you imagine someone saying that to their son? No, don't say that to your fucking sons. This is what we're complaining about. That's toxic. Absolutely. She literally said, use her and discard her. Like she, this is how you. This is how you nurture fuckboys. Oh, yeah. Stop nurturing oh, yeah, yeah. fuckboys. It was so wild. And then when he broke up with me two months later, I I told him, I was like, uh, oh, yeah. He said something like he was like, he was trying to like find a cop out and stuff. So he was, it was mostly because like his mom wasn't approving, but he didn't want to say that because that takes away oh, like God. from his agency. So he was like, oh, um. I just feel like there's some attributes that you have that um, I wouldn't like want in a wife. And I was like, oh, yeah, because I'm someone that you, it's Sahib, right? And not someone that you marry. Ooh. And then Ooh. he was like, and then he was like, I never said that. He got so upset. He's like, I'm not the one who said that, whatever, whatever. I was like, yeah, but that's what you're saying now. <laughs> oh, it was wild. But anyways, then afterwards, he tried to like come back and reconnect with me in, in um, a couple of months later. And I was just like, my dad did not freaking travel halfway across the world, start a family from scratch, learn a brand new language, build us up, just so that he could have some fuckboy yo-yo in and out of his daughter's life. Fuck yes! Jeez! <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> what is with... Okay, like, men kind of suck, eh? Oh my god, absolutely. Kind of extremely. Always. <laughs> I mean, okay, my therapist keeps telling me don't say that, not all men. Like there's some, there's some, whatever, whatever. Of course, like, of, course, we, of course. What we hate, what we hate is patriarchy and toxic masculinity. Yeah. Which are making some men suck. <laughs> absolutely. Well, it makes Especially... some women suck too, honestly. Well, the it makes us all suck. The saddest thing is I think that. Women, unfortunately, are the biggest perpetuators of misogyny and patriarchy because I think if they're victims of it, then they're like, it's not fair that I went through it and nobody else is going to go through it. And oh my God. Yeah. And That's also, true. like, if they're living a story of denial, like, they lie to themselves that they're in a happy marriage, they lie to themselves about so many things, then if you ever, like, that denial is what they are literally surviving off of, even though it's so fragile. So if you come and try and, like, threaten that in any Fuck way, yeah, by, by like, saying something logical or doing something different, they react so aggressively because they're trying to protect that denial. And so that's why they will, you know, lash out and stuff in those ways. But 
Yeah, I mean, you have to think about it this way. If women, if women all collectively were like, we're not going to put up with this anymore, then men would be forced to change. Exactly. You always have some woman out there being like, oh my God, but like boys will be boys. Like whatever, I oh suffer, why won't you? And I'm just like, I don't know. Why did you my, suffer? Yeah, my mom's, my mom's um, <clears throat> method of saying boys will be boys is saying all men are crazy. So she mm-hmm. says like, kul al man, kul al magin, kul al She always says like, all men are trash basically. And I'm like, no mom, there's a very big difference between a guy who physically abuses his wife versus a man who forgets to take out the garbage. They're not the same. They're not mm-hmm. both Maganian. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. she will group yeah. them in the same category. Maganian means crazies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Jeez. such a shame. It's such a shame. Like, I, women really perpetuate the cycle. And yeah. it breaks my heart because they're, they don't realize how hurt that they've been by all of this. Exactly. So- the Baba Pod lesson for today is please do not perpetuate your traumas. Please do not raise fuck boys. And uh, please do not tell your Baba when you are going to Egypt to propose to a fuck boy. To propose to a fuck boy. I'm dying. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh my God. Salma, thank you so much for joining us. This has been such a a pleasure i've been laughing for an hour and a half straight this has been like this i'm wiping amazing. tears from my eyes this is amazing stop you are both the sisters that i've always needed oh uh, thank you so much for having me <laughs> and for helping me process publicly this experience for the first time i have never spoken about it publicly so it really helps me to have processed it Girl, we are here for you anytime at all. You are always a friend of the podcast. You are always welcome here and we would love to have you. Do you want to tell our audience where they can find you and promo your stuff? Because honestly, if people don't see Salma Hindi live, they're just, what are they doing? What are you doing? Oh my God. Wow. (laughs) I love that so much. Um, Yes. Follow me on Instagram. My handle is Salma, S-A-L-M-A dot Hindi, H-I-N-D-Y. And my website is sendmahindi.com, which I put all my upcoming shows on. Uh, you will find that all of them are on Zoom uh, for these next <laughs> couple of months for the foreseeable future. But uh, oh. hopefully, hopefully some in-person ones after that. Amazing. That is so exciting. Okay. Um, Shusha, do you want to take us out? Uh, sure. Yeah, I can do that. Okay, this has been yet another episode of Don't Tell Baba. We hope you enjoyed it, and we hope you'll stick around for more. Our music is by Omar on Fiverr. His username is ch6k0r. Post-production is done by news husband Mike. So thank you, Omar and Mike. Thanks, boys. For more shenanigans, find us on Twitter and Instagram at the Baba Pod. If you want to drop us a line, call us at 530-32-HADOM. That's 530-32-42726. We'll see you next week. And remember, don't tell Baba. About your Hadam gummy bears. Love you all. I <laughs> love you guys. Bye. Bye.